Hey, how's it going, everybody? Um, it's Christian Wagner, the Militant Thomist. So this is a live stream celebrating 500 subscribers, which um, I'm going to get into a little bit. I'm going to spend a minute or two telling you guys about how everything's going. But throw in the chat um, some questions while I just do this. Um, so when, um, before I converted, I had a little bit, um, a few videos I'd post like once a week. Uh, sometimes I post twice a week and I got some following about 300, 350, maybe, um, over the time kind of piggybacking off of my Twitter followers and then my blog following. But since I started again, like two or three weeks ago doing YouTube videos, that has went up from 350 to 500. And in the last seven days, I just hit today 100 subscribers in seven days, which is, which is amazing. Like our growth rates are just boom, like 30% this month, which is insane. So um, looking at where people are coming from, where people are subscribing from, a lot of it is organic rather than being uh, merely piggybacking off of my following uh, from other sources. So it's, it's really setting up to, uh, to do some stuff in the future and not slow down. So my goal by the end of the year is to have 3,000 subscribers on YouTube and we are well ahead of, um, of what we need to see growth-wise to uh, achieve that goal. And that is all thanks to you, my beloved subscribers. It's all, all thanks to you. So really, this should be a stream celebrating you, not me. Because this is, this is doing really good. So I'm, I'm humbled that, that you guys, for some reason, will hop on these streams and listen to me. And then listen back and uh, give feedback. It's just amazing so far. So we're just going to keep pushing ahead. Um, got a few ideas for things in the future. Um, I'm always open if you guys want to send forth feedback and ideas for future videos and other things you think I should be doing. What's very important before we get into the Q&A part of this is that if you are not um, in the Discord, please, please, please get in the Discord, um, even if you don't use Discord, because uh, you could just mute the whole thing and just remain silent. But what frequently happens to channels like this um, and what is going to be happening in the future is that there's the possibility of me being taken down or demonetized or whatever. So you're going to want to get in the Discord uh, just in case something like that happens, that and if you really like to um, really like to have discussion about anything I'm doing with me and with a bunch of very brilliant people who are much smarter than me, then uh, make sure you hop in the Discord. And then also um, running this thing where since if you're not a patron, there's uh, you get one channel, but um, Dende in the in in the discord came up with the idea that uh, if if you're a discord promoter 
um, and invite five friends to the Discord. I will for free give you all the extra channels where we go a little bit more in depth on certain issues. Like uh, uh, Basarian and I were were going back and forth about um, agent intellect and passive intellect and the simple supremacy of what. So if you if you like really really deep um, in depth stuff like that, a bunch of very nerdy stuff that you're not gonna not going to really get here because I don't want to overwhelm too bad and just not do anything that's going to be of interest to you. Make sure you get in that discord. I just put the link in the chat. Um, and then also second, um, if you really are enjoying what I'm doing, uh, become a patron. Um, you get access to extra articles. Um, there's a, a few things I'm thinking of doing in the future. Um, this is not set in stone yet because all of this is a balancing act of the amount of time that I can give you guys. Um, and if you're a patron, that that time will go up and up. So it's kind of a collective effort to be able to make me quit my day job so I can so my wife will let me uh, not that my wife lets me do stuff, but um, so that she'll let me um, quit my job. That would be absolutely amazing. So patreon.com slash militantomist, access to extra articles, access to extra Discord channels. And then also I'm thinking of doing a video commentary series um, on the Compendium Theologiae, kind of going through, doing like I do with my Summa videos, but um, just commenting on it and explaining the concepts to you guys. So that is a perfect setup to be able to read the rest of Thomas's works and to be able to understand what the heck he means by all of these very obscure medieval scholastic terms. And that'll be worthwhile to you. But I will for the I will um, post some of those videos on the YouTube to if you're not a patron, can't afford it, um, not not that interested in, in what I have to offer, um, you can still uh, benefit in that way. So I'm just going to put that in the chat real quick. So now I'm going to get into the to the Q&A. I have until 8 o'clock. Um, that's when I have my Greek class tonight. So I have plenty of time for you guys, although I want to get out of here 15, 20 minutes sooner, if you guys have that many questions for me. But it looks like the chat's filling up as we go. So got a bunch to do. So if someone asks you for your best argument for papal supremacy, what would you say? So best argument for papal supremacy. Um, what I like to what I like to do, especially what I've found helpful in my in my own uh, research, especially when it comes to petrology, uh, which I'm assuming what is what your questions directed towards, because a lot of people are asking papal supremacy in the fathers. I always suggest that people read the what are called Locus Classicus. The Locus Classicus is the um, classical uh, work or section of a work on a specific topic. So, for example, if you're going to read the Locus Classicus of, um, let's say, predestination, you'd read Augustine's on the predestination. That would be a classical text to, to read on that. Or if you're going to read about the sacraments, read Ambrose's uh, treatise on the sacraments or Thomas's treatise on the sacraments or whatever it may be. So when it comes to papal supremacy, uh, my suggestions are going to be to read the acts, basically the acts of the councils. 
And when you read the Acts of the Councils, especially Ephesus and Chalcedon, what I want you to do is to ask yourself whether that's the way in which the uh, communion which you're in, whether it be Anglican, Orthodox, or Protestant, treats the Bishop of Rome. And I would say uh, in my own reading that it is almost impossible to uh, to have that view of the Bishop of Rome outside of um, Roman Catholicism. But also um, secondary sources do come in handy after you've sort of um, familiarized yourself with these primary sources and can from that ground uh, get into the conversation between scholars. So if you're getting into this conversation between scholars without these primary sources, then that is that's basically mere sophistry and you're not in a position to be able to um, accurately apprehend and judge uh, whether what they're saying is true or whether they're being an ideologue and just trying to push a certain view in which they've previously held without sufficient evidence for it. So with those secondary sources, my favorite um, is going to be uh, Cardinal Bellarmine's uh, On the Papacy, which, uh, no, On the Roman Pontiff, not On the Papacy, which is actually right back there. Um, if you can see right there is On the Papacy. Uh, that is, that's a really good work uh, when it comes to answering specifically Protestant objections. And then uh, if you saw in the chat, uh, James's interviews is in the chat. Um, I'm sure eventually I want to talk to him, maybe get him to write a uh, a list for me uh, to put in my on my blog of suggested books because I know that he has read every scrap of of writing about that. So, what are your thoughts on Palamism from Elijah? Um, I think it's wrong. I think I've read um, I've read Palamas, I've read his triads, and in in reading it, I don't necessarily buy the the view which says that Thomas and Palamas can be um, synthesized. I think in in reading his triads, you he does fall into the crit critique that he is not meaningfully in any sense holding to divine simplicity, and that I, I've always thought that absolute divine simplicity was kind of a meaningless term because of if he's without parts, can are you going to say he's absolutely without parts or not absolutely without parts? It 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 has never really made sense. And I think also um, what's really important is understanding uh, what we mean by distinction, real distinction, virtual distinction, logical distinction, all of these terms. And then Edward Fazer's um, scholastic metaphysics is really helpful for that. So is sola fide in the fathers from Roberto and. Uh, this is a very controversial take of mine, but I think that when we view the debates between the Protestants and the Catholics, while in pop apologetics, generally, they have placed the emphasis on the differences between Catholics and Protestants based on the instrumental cause of justification, which is... Uh, faith versus merits and, and such. But I think that's a much less helpful uh, 
way of going about it because as i've said a million times before um turretin and newman both say that the internal cause uh the internal instrumental cause of justification is faith alone and that the external instrumental cause is baptism so i think that that is a less helpful um debate to focus on and the more helpful debate to focus on is going to be the debate about um the formal cause of justification our grounds whether it's an inherent and inchoate righteousness of christ infused in us wherein we participate in the very righteousness of christ that in our baptisms we truly are engrafted into christ and become christ so that it isn't a mere uh, imputation as our grounds of justification but is truly something which becomes ours so what do you do for a living um i don't feel really comfortable specifically saying where i work because you know um there's in in the in the world the situation we we currently live in uh doing stuff like this and then also saying where exactly you work can be very dangerous to your job but i work in retail i know it's kind of sad kind of depressing them typical theology student have to work at retail but uh help me stop working for retail by so thoughts on the scotus view of the filioque way yeah i don't think i'm um and i'm fine with saying this i don't think i'm qualified to answer this i've been i've been meaning to i mean i've i've heard the sort of basic uh twitter rundown and through basic conversations with with friends and then some videos i watched from the byzantine scotus but i don't feel entirely comfortable with um giving a critique or an evaluation of it i definitely do need to read scotus i have scotus on this in english so i need to just take an afternoon because scotus always takes forever to read and just to go through it so alexander says you said that the american revolution was cringe i sympathize with the idea of keeping a monarchy too as a member of the commonwealth but wasn't catholicism illegal at the time yes it was illegal at the time uh well it depends on what you mean by illegal so um if i'm remembering my english history in the late 18th century correctly uh at least after the um in the late 17th century with the acts of toleration you could practice um other religions rather than anglicanism well by religions they mean christian denominations then uh, then anglicanism for example you will have a lot of uh, baptists and presbyterians and congregationalists who uh, were granted the freedom of practicing their religion in the late 17th century and the same would have applied for catholicism so catholicism would have been legal although there still were certain restrictions like you couldn't go to a university um and be a catholic you couldn't hold um a governmental job if you were catholic and such like that okay so angelos asks if someone is anglican who believes in all rome teaches and believes they are head but just doesn't believe in their jurisdiction outside of rome how would you respond um i think a very helpful argument that kind of got me in thinking through this if you if you go in north american anglican i can't remember 
exactly. I'm going to look it up real quick because I think this is a very important article. If you look at my contributor page, I'm not a contributor there anymore. I was axed after um, my conversion, but I still love a lot of what the North American Anglican has to offer. So don't diss them too bad. But if you look at this article right here, Catholic Anglican rule of faith, um, basically what I argue in this, which I think is a very faithful representation of um, at least Anglo-Catholic views, because I'm assuming since the person believes in all Rome teaches that it's an Anglo-Catholic, that in their way of conciliar authority, especially uh, even going back into the, the pre-Tractarian age, that they're not going to be able to get out of the the fact that the medieval Western councils where the English bishops were represented are also binding on the current um, the current Anglican Church. So going going back to this, uh, I think Richard Hooker is very helpful, who was a um, was he late 16th century or early seventh or late 16th century English divine where he basically argued against the Puritans that we're disagreeing on scripture. Therefore, we need some objective um, judge of the meaning of scripture. And then he pulls from those Old Testament texts about that. But I believe he shoots himself in the foot here because um, at least in, in, in the previous judgments of the English bishops, they would, and, and also higher, um, higher authorities such as general Western um, councils that they would have to accept um, the papal claims. Okay, let us look. What is the best patristic text on the filioque? Um, I would suggest reading Augustine's De Trinitate, and that's just a good work in general to read. De Trinitate is the foundation of much later uh, uh, Trinitarian reflection, and especially uh, Western Trinitarian theology. Thoughts on Pope Francis. He is the Bishop of Rome, the successor of Peter, and to whom I submit to and will an intellect, and I will not speak against him publicly. What other papal statements would Catholics say are infallible besides the assumption of the Immaculate Conception? So I'm gonna I'm gonna link you to a video below that goes into much more detail than I can. It's own reason in theology. It's by Dr. John Jay, who worked both. I think he's the editor of the uh, Corpus Thomisticum, and he is sorry. It's hard to talk and type at the same time. He is the editor of the Corpus Thomisticum, and he also I believe did some work on Bellarmine, though I can't. Um, I can't remember exactly what work on Bellarmine he did. So if you go, he has some disputed questions on the on papal infallibility, where he goes into the fact that it's more of a common myth that there were only two. Um, infallible declarations. I think the best example from the early church, which I talked with Matthew Emerson about this yesterday, was the the tome of Pope St. Leo, which was a 
basically the um, the foundational texts when it came to later, especially Western um, views on the incarnation and on the specific definitions of the relation between the hypostases and the uh, the hypostases and the um, the hype i'm sorry i've been reading a lot of trinitarian theology today the hypostasis and the natures it's very very um important text and since he was acting as the head of the patriarchs the uh the head of the ecumenical council um and he was making a declaration for the whole church it cannot be said that he erred because by the same standard, you would have to say that an ecumenical council can err. Okay, let me let me scroll. Have you ever engaged with Mormon apologists and their critic of creedal Christianity? I have not. Mormonism is not my not my thing. Can you read Latin? Um, I'm in the middle of, of learning Latin through a class at Davenant and Lingua Latina, but I can struggle through pretty okayly. If I, if I have, if I've helped, then I'm able to get the sense of the text. Like for, it just depends on what it is. For example, I was trying to read some Cajetan and his commentary on the Summa. And that was just uh, atrocious. I could, I, I could barely get a thing, although I struggled through a certain section. And, but on the other hand, reading, for example, the Glossa, um, that's in written in very, very simple Latin. And I was able to more or less, uh, get the, get a good sense of the text without having to spend, um, egregious amounts of time. And also, interestingly enough, I found the Summa to be more simple. Christian, do you master Latin? I mean, if you do take some bibliography in Sheban's Handbook of Catholic Theology, revealing the Franciscan school. Uh, I'm assuming you meant Latin, but uh, I've not mastered Latin yet. But what is what I think would be a cool project in the future is if you guys have ever read Poles, um, Poles uh, Dogmatic Theolo Theology um, and his manual. Uh, it is very helpful. Uh, if you look at the end of each section, there he's going to put the the locus classicus of each doctrine down there in the little thing. And I'd say maybe only a third to a quarter of those are actually translated into English. And the ones that are, a lot of them are out of print. So I think it'd be a really cool project to revitalize a lot of these texts because you're seeing with the... Um, the Ligori translation and the Bellarmine project and the re-interest in Thomism that I think we could really, um, in the next, I mean, this would be years and years and years down the road, but just it's been seed in my mind that if we could revitalize these other lesser known authors um, and get translations of their work done, but that would be a massive undertaking I wouldn't be able to do all the translation myself and I'd be more of an administrator who is directing um, translators. And I'm sure I could find some that would be so kind as to um, 
do at reduced rates and um, even pro bono. And I think if if we were able to just drum up enough support and to um, continue in that, then we would be able to get a lot of that stuff into English, into good good translations, and to revitalize a lot of these lost works. Because it's really sad in a lot of more recent theology books that a lot of these concepts of the neo-scholastics and um, of the post-reformation scholastics are completely just lost. And it's very sad where that wasn't even the case. Um, I don't know, 75 to a hundred years ago. Okay. Do you think that the papal ultramontanism contributed to traditiones custodis and restrictions on the TLM? Uh, I don't feel qualified to answer that question. I'm sorry about that. What are your thoughts on the Anglo-Catholic library, especially the Caroline Divines? Those are some very, very fine works. If you're gonna, if you're gonna look for the best, I believe at least the best Protestants, um, you're gonna be looking into the Caroline Divines. Although the Tractarians are certainly up there. Is the Caroline Divines were very apt patrologists, and a lot of them even medievalists. And their English prose is just beautiful, the depth of their devotion, their homiletical style, which I hope the ordinariate begins to um, turn to a more uh, classically Anglican homiletical style, because these sermons are just beautiful, like Lancelot Andrews' 96 sermons, just beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. And um, I, I think there's a lot that could be taken. And even if you look at, uh, where is it? The St. Gregory's prayer book, they're going to take a lot of prayers from these people like Lancelot Andrews and um, Jeremy Taylor and others. And I think that's very um, important for those, especially with an Anglican patrimony in the Catholic Church that we still read and as, as, um, as Gregory, as Pope St. Gregory the Great told St. Augustine of Canterbury to take whatever is good and to apply it. Because this is what St. John Henry Newman, for example, was, was reading. And this is what he was raised on. And this is, I think, a lot of his contribution to the Catholic Church had to do with his Anglican upbringing. Not only in the scholarly sense, but also in the devotional sense. Okay, going down. Is the Leo you just mentioned, Saint Leo the Great? I'm not sure, not sure which which Leo I was referring to. Maybe um maybe when it comes to the tome of Leo, but yes, that would be the tome of Pope Saint Leo the Great. I just recently discovered the existence, I mean, I became aware because he was very recognized of the 17th century Latin commenter on Aristotle, Sylvester Marus, thanks to Sheban. Yeah, when it comes to those manualists, I think the not only the greatness of being able to systematize in the way they did and to be able to provide a very orderly um, progress of theology, but also just the re the taking of the Catholic tradition before them and being able to categorize those resources 
into just amazing bibliographies. And I'm actually reading through uh, Sheban's Mysteries right now, and I've really, really loved it. Have you ever read Suarez? Um, I actually have not read Suarez to my shame. I'm really focusing, I'm being a paleotomist right now, and I'm just purely reading Thomas, his commentaries, and his Summa, and um, his other shorter uh, treatises. I'm being a paleotomist before I start to get into the intertomist debates. Like I, I'm, I'm providing a good example for you guys of reading the primary sources before you read the secondary sources. That's not to say that Suarez um, isn't can't be a primary source on its own. For example, I've actually I actually have read not not yeah I actually have read one work by Suarez, which is his work against the Anglican Church, and that was a very good work, even rivaling uh, the level of Bellarmine. So thoughts on the formula through the sun rather than from the sun. I think through the sun is really um, epexegetical, and that's just a fancy word for explaining. I think that really just explains from the sun. And I think that's a faithful presentation of the Latin principle and the really the Catholic principle that, um, that the spirit proceeds from one principle and not from two separate principles in the, the father separated from the son in the spiration of the spirit. So what do you think of Lancelot Andrews views and sermons? So I've read, I've read actually a good bit of Andrews, his sermons, just absolutely beautiful, absolutely glorious. I love them. He is one of the latest Protestants to use, um, a solidly allegorical exegesis when it comes to um, when it comes to his homiletics, and he's just amazing when it comes to that aspect. Now his views—that's a little bit of a different story. If you read his, um, I can never remember uh, what the exact name of it, but there's a certain catechetical document that he wrote, um, introducing to the scope of theology. And if if you read that, you realize that. Lancelot Andrews, while amazing, brilliant, one of the best scholars of his day, is not as as Catholic as as we like to, at least as the Tractarians like to um, paint him to be. He was still a Reformed divine in the Church of England. So what do you think of Pipecorn's defense of the validity of Lutheran orders? I've not read it. I have not read it. So was Newman gay? No, he definitely wasn't. That's just, that's like asking, what, what's the other one that, like asking if David's gay because he had a male friend. It's just in our current context, unfortunately, and to our very much to our despise, very intimate male friendships is something which has been as a wholesale lost. And I'm glad to have friends like that. So I hope future biographers of mine don't say that I'm gay. Um, militant Thomas, have you ever thought of about doing debates? If so, have you thought about debating Dyer on the Filioque or some other topic? Um, when it comes to debates, there's a few comments that can be made on them. Uh, first, they have to be helpful. Um, a lot of debates that are done are not helpful, um, at all. It's basically just a collation of talking points thrown at one another and um 
just disgusting levels of uh, sophistic rhetoric. And I don't think a lot of them are very helpful. Although there have been good debates where I have been helped. I think in order for me to do a debate, it would have to be in the form of a disputed question. Um, I would put forth my objections to their thesis. They would bring forth their response to the question, articulating their view and the supporting arguments, and then respond to my objections. Then on the other hand, they would give the objections to my thesis. I would give my uh, explication and supporting arguments for my thesis, and then I would um, respond to their objections. I think, honestly, that is the most helpful way in which you can do it. It is all laid out there, bare and naked, and I've just found that the very sophistic sort of back and forth can be very unhelpful because it doesn't give really time to think about uh, responses um, because just be just because somebody hasn't thought through a certain aspect or uh, or uh, response to his thesis doesn't mean that his thesis is necessarily wrong. And a lot of time, uh, debates can be just coming up with the most obscure arguments that the other side isn't going to think of in order to leave them without response. And I think that's very unhelpful. And um, it should be left more to the rhetoricians than the theologians. So I'm doing good with keeping up on the chat, guys. Keep Keep sending them. So do you still follow Protestant drama? Right now, there are some calling themselves provisionists or trying to bring back Pelagius as some orthodox figure. Yeah, I do still follow Protestant drama. Um, I, I still very much view myself, uh, at least view my patrimony, as being uh, formerly Protestant and that I've gained a lot in a lot of my theological um, upbringing was from Protestant sources. I'm still in a, a Protestant school learning right now. Most of my friends theologically are, are Protestants. So I'm still very much in that world. And I think that's very helpful in forming a unique perspective to a lot of questions. So yeah, with the, uh, with the provisionists bringing back Pelagius, yeah, um, they've been around for a few years. Actually, um, interestingly enough, uh, James White, although usually I don't have many good things to say about James White theologically. He is good on certain certain things like Mormonism, like you asked before. More, James White is very good on Mormonism. Um, and with provisionism, he has also done a lot of responses to them, especially uh, the one gentleman who wrote that thesis on the Augustinian Calvinistic, uh, the Augustinian foundations of Calvinism or something like that. Uh, he's done a lot of responses to that. Um, but I think we can all, Reformed, Lutheran, Catholic, uh, even Orthodox, we can all band together to say that provisionists are stupid. I, and I don't take that term stupid lightly because it's just really, really stupid what they're doing. And it's trying to bring back a heretic. <laughs> or at least his heresy and trying to make it orthodox is just asinine. So what happened to the deer in the background? Have you ever been turkey hunting? So the deer in the background, um, if you can, if you can see right now, there's, I have like a million of those right there, deer skulls. Uh, they're called European mounts. If you're not familiar, um, I have a million of those 
And I'm still in the middle of decorating my office because we recently moved. Um, so we haven't really finished there. I got a thurible on the wall over there. Got my painting of the, uh, of uh, I can't remember exactly what it's called. The, uh, the Disputation on the Sacrament. Got my Thomas Aquinas painting. Got a few icons back there. Got, oh wait, she took it up. She replaced with a plant, but I used to have, my wife replaced with a plant, but I used to have a, uh, a painting of John Henry Newman there. But what's going to happen is the current plan is right there. It's going to go. I actually have two mounts right now, one there and then one there. And then I have a third that I shot this season. That's going to, that's in the middle of being taxidermied. So um, eventually probably not for another year or so that's going to go somewhere in this background. But I think kind of the, the, dead animals and dead theologians vibe um, is is a really nice one for my background. Although we've been doing obviously some construction. Look at this. Look, this is so weird backwards. The spackle on the wall down there and, and right there. But um, they'll be back. And then turkey hunting. Yes, I have been turkey hunting. Turkey hunting is probably the most difficult uh, type of hunting I've, I've had. Because at least in, in Maryland uh, where I hunt, um, because that's where my family's from. Uh, Turkey are very, very smart, and they're very difficult to to hunt. And I've also been bear hunting in Western Maryland. And then also, I've also hunted rabbits, which is actually one of my favorite animals to hunt. So you can just walk walk around and um, and talk, and and it's very quick because basically what you do with rabbit hunting is you walk through the brush. And try to jump up a rabbit and then before it runs away you have to pull your gun up and shoot it so it's a very um it's a very fun sport especially if you have dogs so it is good to be a hardcore thomist read the best zig laria gonzalez gonzare gaetano san Sivino, eduardo hugon and lagrange Ooh, lagrange i just love me some lagrange of course, I didn't read all that, but the starting points is with them. Yeah, um, I, I just as much as the next guy, I think it's important. Um, while I, I myself am very much of a paleotomist, to to read the Thomists too, to read the the tradition of of reading Thomas. And I, I'm not I'm not there yet where I have read the fullness of that in reading reading all of Banez and then Suarez and Cajetan and all of these wonderful, wonderful Thomistic comment, comment, commenters. But I've, I've read some Lagrange and, um, and just articles here and there from, from certain Thomists, but very important to, to read that. So would you say that the Holy Spirit gets his hypostatic existence from the Son or that he is only the instrument through which the Father spirates? I think it's a both and. Um, the, uh, the immediate cause of the hypostatic existence of the Spirit is the Father and the immediate um, cause is the Son. In the same way, would you, you could say, although this is a very rough analogy, and do not take me um, liter very literally on this but have all those negations that I, that I talk about. Um, it's like if uh, somebody shot someone, you would say, did, did he shoot it or did the gun shoot him? Well, technically you could say both because one is the immediate and the other is the immediate cause. 
the other paw, he's gammon. I walk into a Q&A stream and I hear provisionism with the vomit emojis. Yes, provisionism, very dangerous. Uh, could you expound what the movement is? Uh, provisionism is basically... Uh, so think of Calvinism over here, or at least the common common conceptions you'll get of Calvinism. And then in the middle, you got you got some Lutherans and some Catholics and some Orthodox. And then all the way on the other end is provisionism. They're basically Pelagians. Oh, I am up to the top of the stream. So make sure you guys send some questions in. So is justification different between Orthodox and Catholics? I actually don't think so. I, I do not think so. Um, although there may be different emphases, um, especially, uh, I, I think it's because when when it when it comes to when it comes to Eastern Catholics, they're basically going to make the same distinctions that an Eastern Orthodox theologian is going to make. So obviously, the Eastern Orthodox views must be acceptable within within uh, Catholicism. <laughs> barely protestant if you weren't part of the papal communion what would you be other than right okay so you got so i'm gonna break this genus of ecclesial communion into separate species so general the first species is going to be apostolic churches and the second species is going to be non-apostolic churches so right off the bat i have to eliminate um non-apostolic churches which would be most protestant communions and then let's let's go apostolic churches as a genus you have the roman church the eastern orthodox church the nestorian church the east the miaphysites and the old catholics and then you'd have for the continuing anglicans and certain anglicans have retained their orders um since i'm a, a west i'm a latin catholic um the the first one would actually be the old catholics um, the old Catholics basically accept everything except, um, well, this is a bit of a caricature. Um, but the main difference is going to be in, in very simplistic. The main difference is going to be in papal infallibility, uh, which obviously I accept papal infallibility. So don't be going out there saying I don't, but, um, old Catholics, I think I would find myself most at home with. And then close to that's going to be the continuum. The only reason I put the continuum after it continuing Anglicans after it is because there are some questions of the validity of their orders. Um, so I would feel a lot, a little less comfortable, but then after that would be um, the Orthodox church, Western Rite Orthodox, preferably, and then Miaphysites and then the story church of the East. And then after that, we can go into all the various Protestants. I'm not even going to consider Scandinavian Lutherans, although they're technically an apostolic church because it's very hard to find a uh, faithful Scandinavian Lutheran church. Are ordinary Catholics the true Anglo-Catholics? Father James, now that you're in the chat, I will say yes. Ordinary Catholics are the true Anglo-Catholics. I think that we have retained um, the English patrimony of the Catholic church uh, the best. Therefore, we can be for the true English Catholics. And the term Anglican predates uh, even the English Reformation. 
So I think I should be comfortable with calling myself an Anglican. Although, <laughs> although Father James is about to get really mad, I feel comfortable calling myself an Anglican in a very qualified sense. And I even thought of keeping the name um, Apologia Anglicana, although I thought it'd be more confusing than anything, which is why I did switch brands. Okay. Bypassing semantics, what do you believe is the essential difference between the East and the West concerning the filioque? Um, I don't think there's... So it depends on... So with the West, we have our scholastic tradition and we have a very uh, active magisterium that can make statements on this thing. So it's very easy to, to get our general view that everybody agree upon, although among the different schools there's disagreements among some of the specifics but uh, when it comes to the east it's a little more difficult you'll have this say this and that say that and certain levels of, of hatred versus acceptance of the western view but on general when it comes to the official documents signed between the east and the west i think somebody can have a um, generally eastern view of the filioque as is seen in the Eastern Catholics, and still be well within the bounds of, of Catholicism. So the other Paul, <laughs> guitar mass is better than the TLM. Get out of here. Get out of here. Guitar mass is terrible. Uh, funny story. I um, probably told this before, but at my former parish when I was an Anglican, um, they were very... Not that our priest was Evangeli, but um, the last rector, who was very popular, um, was very Evangeli. And um, basically, this led to him having to do guitar masses. And since he played the guitar and sang very well, um, he would <laughs> he would take off his chasuble. Start. Uh, this is funny because it's a chasuble, which is like very high church. He'd take off his chasuble, put on the guitar, play the guitar piece, put the guitar off, put the chasuble back on, continue with the with the mass. And I don't mean that in a flippant or light way. I think there are serious problems with that, but um, but that's my that's my story right there. So do you think the major Protestant communions are ever going to reconcile with the Roman Church? I think it's gonna look I don't think there's gonna be corporate communion in the way that we want it. I think there was that chance with the Anglican church and there was a very um, good chance with the Anglican church up until the seventies. And I think once the seventies happened uh, with all of the very strong revision that became official and then up to the nineties, when the case was basically lost and then to the modern day, it's the case is basically lost. And I think with the, with the slow decline of Anglicanism into um, traditionalist groups, uh, I think you're going to have some that lose hope in the future of Anglicanism and swim the Tiber. And I think honestly that a lot of it's going to be um, dying, uh, at least in the West in the global South. I think there's a pretty strong presence and that there might be this chance for corporate reunion, although there's some issues with some of the sections of the global South when it comes to women's ordination and then certain other uh, charismatic um, and low church practices that can impede communion. But I think it's going to look a lot like uh, 
when it does come to reunion, it looks it's going to look a lot like how the ordinary it works. It's going to be individual parishes, and uh, maybe even occasionally you'll get lucky enough a diocese or a bishop that's going to join. But it isn't going to be anything where the entire ACNA is going to join with Rome and go into full and full communion. I think what's going to happen more likely is that the Orthodox are going to and the uh, the Latins, well, the Catholics are going to come into stronger reunion with uh, certain patriarchates in that that's going to happen a long time before the Protestants. I think the Protestants may go the way of the Donatists, unfortunately. Well, in a, in a sense, unfortunately. Too many prots in here. Again, I said I love my protestant separated brethren and i wouldn't have it any different i think some of my pa yeah some of my patrons are even are even protestants and i think actually most of my patreon money comes from protestants do not use that as do not use that information as a um as a battering ram against me to say that i'm just being nice to protestants because they're my patrons if i think it's the truth i'll speak it and the specific protestants that are my patrons will respect me for that even if I do differ from them, but um, yeah, I have a very strong Protestant following, and I like to I like to keep it that way. I think that's very helpful to have the kind of dialogue that I've been having with Protestants on separate issues. So, uh, <laughs> Father James responded to my comments on the ordinariate. Uno demons lies my ears. Ooh, so um, there you go. Any monasteries that use ordinary usage? Not that I'm aware of. Um, the closest thing you'll get is um, is Anglo-Catholic monasteries, which obviously aren't in communion. Actually, now that I think of it, I have heard of an Episcopal monastery that back in like the 90s came in under the pastoral provision. But that's all that I've ever heard of. Although I'd have to ask some some friends in the ordinary whether that does exist. Thoughts on the side A versus side B debate. Mm, do I want to touch this? <laughs> I promised in anything Q&A. Um, I think that there are a lot of first principles that need to happen when it comes to the definition of sin. And then also the uh, classical conception of anthropology, what man is in relation to the intellect and the will. And that those, those discussions need to happen first. I think that can provide some clarity that will be, um, that will make the side A and side B a lot more comfortable with what is being said. And that can provide a, although when it comes to the gay identity stuff and all that, like absolute anathema, just uh, fire and brimstone, I hope, on the identity stuff that's um, creeping into the Roman church and the ACNA. So, oh gosh, <laughs> Father James. What are your thoughts on the synodal approach being pushed by Germany? Will it continue to succeed? I I can't answer the second question. I don't know whether it will continue to succeed. Um, I pray that it will not continue to succeed. But this sort of thing has happened a lot. I pray 
to God that either they that either Rome just drops the hammer on them and just excommunications and defrocking absolutely left and right, or that they just schism and um, that the dead limb of the church that is the um, Catholic Church in Germany, not to say that there aren't faithful Orthodox sections of that church, but generally that limb just be cut off and annihilated. So honestly, we could have just given a conditional ordination based on old Catholic ordinations. Yeah, uh, I'm in agreement. Again, I think there is there is um, a great possibility of validity when it comes to modern Anglican orders because of old Catholic bishops participating in those ordinations. So all they need to do is renounce Trent, Vatican I, and Vatican II. Well, that doesn't really, I think that doesn't really fix the problem. Because, for example, read Florence. I can guarantee you will not be able to assent to what Florence says. Read a lot of these other medieval councils. You will not be able to assent to what they say. So, so really, um, a lot of the theology of Trent, Vatican I, and Vatican II is, is implicit in these councils. And that are, in many cases, necessary um, deductions from these. So you're still going to fall into the same trap. And we're still going to expound the sense of these medieval councils in the way in which Trent, Vatican I, and Vatican II expounds them. And also, Father James, for a more balanced approach to Vatican I, I would suggest that you read the Acts of Vatican I. Um, I think that that might quell a little bit of your hatred of Vatican I. Because some of the documents that were produced, especially on um, the doctrine of God and the relationship between faith and reason, just absolutely brilliant and just, just great. And I love it. Okay. <laughs> Thomas, there's a joke about any non-rad trad Catholic apologist online being funded by Opus Dei, Bishop Barron. <laughs> Maybe I'll be I'm funded by I'm funded by the Anglicans. I think there was there was somebody on Twitter that was saying that I was a sleeper cell Anglican, that I just fake converted just to Protestantize Rome. Like, yeah, with with my massive following, I'm going to be able to Protestantize Rome. Like maybe I'll be able to Protestantize a small sliver of Roman Catholic Twitter. But again, do you think that lowly of me? <laughs> Father James says Bishop Barron funds me. I wish Bishop <laughs> I wish Bishop Barron would fund me. <laughs> I mean, I'm not in complete agreement with all that the good bishop says, but I think he does a lot of good. With um with a lot of things that that he does say, although they're the obvious um obvious flaws that that he has, but I don't think that we can completely throw out all the good that he does, and a lot of it's very good, good. It's good, good. So Bishop Barron funds William Lane's Craig's Apollinarian heresy, big if true. Nothing good comes out of Germany. Biblical criticism, Luther, modernism, Hegel. Correct. Nothing good comes out of Germany. <laughs> Are you going to forget about, you know, like Nazism? 
Although, yeah, don't even don't do not be pro Nazi in my chat, please. I do not. Oh crap! I shouldn't have even said that. Great. Now the transcripts are going to be. All my stuff is going to be scrutinized now. Well, too late now. It's already live streamed to YouTube. <sighs> what you going to do? But um, just for the YouTube transcripts, I am not a Nazi and I do not like Nazis. So I hope that shows up on your little transcript things. So, okay. Father James says Rome doesn't really assent to Florence anyways. Yes, we do. Father James says, I read the Acts of Vatican one. Yeah. Aren't they good? It's great. Unironically want sponsorships from logos. I want, maybe I'll ask them for a Verboom scholarship. I'll do, I'll do a partnership with them. They can get all my articles, uh, my article archive onto, onto a Verboom book. I'll even do the editing stuff. Okay, so ask questions in the chat or we will be done here soon. You can ask me about anything. This is a general Q&A. You can ask me about... I smell pizza. Are we having pizza for dinner? Oh my gosh, based. Give me a second. I'm going to text my wife and see if we're having pizza for dinner. This might be huge. Um, Let's see. What is for dinner? This is live, folks. Okay, not seeing any questions in the chat. Let me give you guys like another, I'll give you guys like another minute and a half. Father James. Father James, I'm having Taco Bell tonight, the food of the gods. I knew you were a polytheist, Father James. I know it. I knew that you believed in the Taco Bell God. So, Angelos, go to takeaway. What do you mean takeaway? What is a takeaway? I have no idea. Trad wife check. Yes. If you want a proof of my trad wife check, I don't think it's in here. Not probably isn't. I was going to show the veil that she wears to mass, just so you know. Or maybe you know the baby having babies having babies on uh while you're a teen trad wife check we were married before she was pregnant just to add that okay oh questions coming in now so is pineapple and pizza a mortal sin i would say it would be a disordered affection um or a concupiscence i would say it would be a concupiscence wouldn't say that it would be a mortal or venial sin. Okay, if I'm right, is it true that you believe that Anglican orders are valid based off of old Catholics? Yes, because according to Roman canon law and reason, um, basically reason, uh, the old Catholics who schismed after Vatican I um, had bishops who... Uh, consecrated further bishops and therefore have valid succession. I mean, there's some areas, especially overseas, who do not in any way have valid succession because of um, because of their liberal. Well, not that liberalism would invalidate uh, 
um, somebody's succession, but the consecration of female bishops that has taken place. Uh, but that being said, um, in the late 19th century, there was investigations by the old Catholic bishops of the validity of Anglican orders after Apostolic Curie came out. And the old Catholic bishops disagreed with the Roman pontiff and said that old uh, that um, Anglican orders were valid, but nevertheless, with the especially with the um, rising tide of the Tractarian movement, there was great desire for ecumenical dialogue between old Catholics and Anglicans, and this led to um, old Catholics participating in the consecration of Anglican bishops, and. Um, if you have somebody consecrated by a valid bishop, then they are a valid bishop, and all of their future consecrations and ordinations are valid. So basically, over time, throughout the 20th century, uh, they have they have been the Anglican orders have been infused with validity. Are you keen to game on stream sometime? <laughs> I don't game really. Um, yeah. I, I, I'm not a gamer, so uh, I'd have to figure out something else to do on stream, um, something else I enjoy. can't really think of anything I enjoy. Gosh, I'm very boring in my personal life. Yeah, I couldn't think of anything like gaming to do. Some people like put on makeup and stuff, but I'm not gay. Um, yeah, I can't think of anything to do. So what are your plans for the future of the channel? Um, so with the channel, I, I'm basically going to continue what I keep doing, a mixture of um, interviews, um, chill streams every week, um, doing uh, some ordinary devotions, as I did last night with Ordinary Evening Prayer. I think I, that'd be really helpful to get into get you guys into um, becoming interested in some ordinary devotional practices, and it's just it can't hurt if in your in your process of listening to my videos, you just happen upon like a 10, 15 minute devotion. Um, I think that'd be really helpful um, for the future. As I talked about before, I'd like to get into some disputed questions with other people. Um, I've tried to reach out to some people about Newman's development of doctrine because that's something I'm particularly interested in, but I haven't really heard anything back. Everybody's busy, apparently. Um, unfortunately, they're busy. But I'd like to, um, if the opportunity ever comes up, if anybody ever offers it to me, um, I'd love to I'd love to do some disputed questions with other people. I think that'd be very helpful for you guys, especially to be able to, in very rigid form, to see... Um, explanations and positive arguments, but also objections and responses to those objections. I think that's a very helpful way of categorizing a debate. Um, also articles, I do audio articles on here. Um, and then also uh, reading through a lot of primary source texts and explaining. My wife told me at least that that is one of my uh, strongest points when it comes to pedagogy is to be able to read a text to somebody to explain it and to um and to apply it to illustrate it and such and that i guess comes from um 
some of the preaching that I had to do before. And then also a lot of the, um, when I was a catechist in the ACNA, a lot of that was taking uh, texts and taking uh, catechism questions and such and just uh, explaining it to the level in which a 12 year old could understand, which is, uh, which is perfect practice for you guys. I'm just kidding. But, um, yeah, that I think, especially that's one of my strong suits. So I'd love to do, um, audio video commentaries on certain texts and sections, especially from, from scholastic authors, because I said, I think their brevity and their, um, the ability to be concise is, um, is very, very helpful for commenting and it's very uh, able to be commented on. And also, I mean, I've, I've flirted with doing reflections on, on the mass readings and uh, daily office readings, but uh, I don't think I'm at a, at a level where I'll be able to, because I have so many, so many ideas and then some ideas that I can't really state publicly yet because they're still, um, in very seed form, but, um, I have a lot of ideas, but, uh, don't have the time yet to, um, do it. But after, by the end of this year, I'm hoping to start working part-time rather than full-time. So once I get through this year, I should be able to be a lot better than also when I graduate from Davenant, I want to take a year or two between before I go to, uh, hopefully Lord willing to, um, go to postgraduate study. Um, I'll have a lot more time in that in that frame, that time frame, to um, be able to further do projects. Um, I'd love to also, again, as I said before, ramp up publishing. I did two pieces um, publishing uh, reprints to kind of get myself uh, acclimated to the process. And then also I have SCOTUS coming up. I'm still waiting for the foreword to be written. Um, that should be coming in the next few weeks. I'm going to send a follow-up email soon to who the guy who's writing the forward to see how that's going. Okay. Do Roman priests request to be in the ordinariate or are they appointed? I'm not sure how that process goes. I know there are um, priests in Roman seminaries that I've talked to a few of those priests that Bishop Lopes kind of swoops up and, and brings into the ordinariate. And I think that's very helpful to have that to have that intermingling between um, the general Latin church and the ordinariate. It's very helpful. And they bring a lot to the table. Okay. Barely Protestant. I'm down to game on stream. The thing is, I don't game. Like, uh, I, I wouldn't, I mean, I played like Call of Duty in high school. Uh, that's about all my gaming experience. Um, I guess I could revitalize those. I'm not bad. Okay, so Popemon, <laughs> Leg absolutely legendary name, Popemon. What do you think are the main differences between the Thomist view of predestination versus the Reformed? Um. I don't think there's much difference. I address this in an article where I go really deep into the, a lot of reformed authors that aren't necessarily read from the scholastic era of the reformed of reformed theology. But I think when you're going to get into main differences, it's going to be the existence of what's called the supralapsarian uh, school. Um, that's going to be a, um, a main group rather than differences of emphasis. 
But um, if you want an explanation of the of the superlapsarian school, they are few and far between um, in writings. Let me let me check really quick. Oh no, we're having leftovers for dinner. Oh, tragedy! One of you guys should uh should DoorDash me something. I would be forever grateful. Although I'd have to send you my my uh, address. Let me look real quick. Or work on the super lapsarians. Sorry, this is kind of on the cuff. Okay, I guess I'll just. I can't find anything specifically on that, but if you just look at um, Beza's work on on predestination, um, Beza's on predestination is the um it's kind of one of the classical texts on superlapsarianism which turn oh gosh dogs are barking which trinitarian christian denomination do you think is the furthest from the authentic christian faith um that's very difficult the methodists I mean, I know there's still like good Orthodox Methodists, but like the general UMC is just horrific. Um, absolutely horrific. Although I think a lot of the mainline Protestant denominations, the ELC, the Evangelical Lutheran Church, the EL, why can't I think of the ELCS, Evangelical Lutheran, uh, EL, I, I can't even think of the the title but the evangelical lutherans uh they're pretty horrible with their tranny bishops and stuff like that you should try to get an interview with one of the demon brother demon brothers um <laughs> i don't think that'd be healthy for my psyche i think i would be uh the guy to interview them because i these i mean i interview lutherans and reformed and Pope Michael coming up and I'll interview anyone. So I think I would do a good job of being able to respectfully allow them to present their views and to be able to, for you guys to get just a toe in the water of what they believe. Not that you guys should believe what they believe, but I think it's very important to, um, I think that's one of the strengths of these inter of interviews like this is to be able to get the view from the horse's mouth. But, um, I mean, if you guys can get me connected with Vatican Catholic, then I'd do it. Hunting stream. <laughs> when I was in high school, <laughs> I used to, um, when I would hunt and animals would walk out, like you have a deer walk out and I wasn't considering shooting it. I used to live stream the deer, like walking around. And it was kind of cool because I mean, I, I like stuff like that, like watching, um, like the, what are those TV shows? Uh, Planet Earth, I think, is it? Like you get to watch animals in the wild. I think that stuff's kind of cool. Um, and I would, <laughs> I would have like, because I'd have friends from high school added on my Facebook back then. I think I've probably taken all of them off. Because I don't even talk to anybody I went to high school with. But there'd be like 
girls from high school being like, please don't kill it. Please don't kill it. And um, I'm just so tempted to just be a savage and just shoot it because because they said it. But um, so bench and squat max, bro. So my bench max is like 225. My squat max, I don't really squat. I'm, I'm sorry. I know I'm bad. I'm terrible. I don't really squat. Okay. So you should get into board games. <laughs> Play like Monopoly on stream while I talk about theology. Okay. Have you played Five Nights at Freddy's? Yeah, when I was like in middle school. That used to be the thing. Play some Flappy Bird. Um, play some, yeah. Oh my gosh, Flappy Bird. That takes back some some memories. What other? I know there was other games like that. What are the other ones? Angry Birds. That one too. Yeah, stuff like that. That was around when I was like in middle school. Okay, now they're talking about video games in the chat. Okay, try to get on Sam Shamoon's channel. He is open to all Catholic, Orthodox, and Protestants to come on his channel, give a presentation on anything. Many who do go on to have a huge boost in subs. Um, I, I'd, I'd be interested in Sam Shamoon's. I've seen some of his stuff. Um, most most of the first stuff I heard about him was from James White <laughs> talking about Sam Shamoon. Um, if you'd, uh, if if one of you at least would um what should we call it if you would uh message me somehow discord whatever uh me if you have his contact information whether it be twitter email whatever that'd be really helpful and then i'll send him something tonight and try to get something set it up set up so california condor and california condor um i believe he just became a patron so uh Round of applause to him helping helping uh, to grow the channel. And actually, uh, California Condor, um, you should I should send you an email. I'll open up the tab just to, just to remind myself. But um, you can get an email where you can. I, I don't know if anybody's tried this, but you can integrate Patreon and and YouTube and get that um, listed when you when you comment on my stuff so everybody gets to see that you're one of my patrons um but i i need to reach out to one of my patrons and ask them to test just do a test run with it because i'm not sure how it works um not sure how it works at all here i am trying to do it right now what a meme but the question do i game uh i do not game I've, I mean, as I said, in high school, I did game, but not really anymore. And it was really just the basic stuff. So, um, yeah. And actually, because I'm so based, I just sent you that email right now. So if you'd like to get that set up, then great. But don't leave the stream. Um, try to try to do a favor for me and uh, comment in the future after you get that set up on one of my one of my videos to see if you can see it okay so barely protestant joined my coming streams oh my the other paul and barely protestant first stream i'd watch that 
There are some theologians who advocate gentle wife beating. <laughs> I don't mean to laugh because of because it's a funny topic. I just mean to laugh because it's a stupid topic. <laughs> but yes, they're actually he although Thomas, you did say joking joking. Um there actually are some. If you saw the Eastern Orthodox and um that has to be a very nuanced discussion, although not nuanced in such a way that allows for gentle wife beating. But, um, okay. So Alexander asks, I got kind of lost in why Newman became Catholic. It seemed to be church history and the Jerusalem bishopric seemed to be the last nail in the coffin. Yes. Yeah. I mean, um, if you want to, get into the primary source about it. It's going to be Apologia Pro Vita Sua is, is the work where he narrates it. Um, but, but yes, it had to do, um, there was obviously positive and negative reasons, reasons to leave the Anglican church and reasons to go to the church of Rome. But a lot of it has to do with um, mid to late, mid, not mid to late, mid 19th century um, English church history and the situation he was in. And the response of the Anglican Church to um, the Tractarian movement and the realization by Newman and a lot of the Tractarians that they just couldn't Catholicize this thing, that it was dead in the water. Okay, ELCA, that's what I was looking for. ELCA, Evangelical, Lu Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. Thoughts on the Adventists, are they right about the Sabbath bros? No. They're wrong. Very wrong. 225 benchmax is weak. Yeah, I don't really... The thing is, I don't really uh, go for maxes a lot. Um, I think the calculator thinks they're dumb. But um, I don't really go for maxes a lot because I bench alone. You know, I lift alone. So, I mean, with things like deadlift, it's fine. But things like pinch press, like lifting at four o'clock in the morning when all the crackheads are out, I don't trust them to save my life. Okay. So I'm somewhere between Catholic and Protestant. I'm very devoted to the Theotokos. I'm taking Koine Greek. Do you think Koine Greek will help me defend the perpetual virginity better to others? So um, I... My best non-English language is Greek. I've been taking it for the last, I think it's three years now that I've been taking it. I'm, I'm not bad. I mean, I'm not professional translator level, but I'm not bad. Um, I, I can do some stuff in it. And even outside of the New Testament, I can do some stuff with the Apostolic Fathers. But uh, honestly, I think... As I learn languages more um, in certain aspects, I think that it's a little bit overhyped. Like, for example, if you're going to say, I want to learn Greek to read the New Testament better. I don't think spending your time learning it to a level in which you'd be able to be reading proficient in the New Testament in Greek would be your best way of going about it. I mean, there's a certain level of, of facility that you need 
because in reading commentaries, it's very important to understand the uh, grammatical arguments they're making and understand if they hold up. That I think is one of the best benefits I've had from Greek is to be able to read commentaries much better and to realize when they're just blowing smoke and when they're actually having a good point. But I can't see, um, although there's many reasons to learn Koine Greek, uh, I can't see how that would uh, would be too much of a help in in defending the perpetual virginity of Our Lady. Um, although there is the one argument, uh, there is the one argument um, in that preposition. Can't remember what the the until one. Why am I blanking right now? the until one that would be it understanding how grammatical arguments work and how prepositions work is very important. So I know Arminianism intrinsically is cringe, but is Arminianism also semi-plagian? So you have to make a distinction between classical Arminianism, which honestly isn't terrible, although it ha obviously has its problems. It isn't horrible. And then Wesleyan Arminianism, which I think, and then also modern Arminianism. Uh, Wesleyan and modern Arminianism definitely has a lot more problems to it. So how do you link Patreon and YouTube? I can't see how. That is my secret. So the other Paul, if you want to, if you want to reach out to me and, and uh, message me, then I'll answer your question. But it's my secret. Okay. Oh yeah, with uh, California, I have no idea how to, but that sounds fun. Uh, I I just sent an email. Um, there should have been an email sent to you. Let me know if you if you got it or not. We should have gotten one. Okay. Arminian is Arminius do Arminians do believe in original sin? Yes. But I think the question is more the effects of original sin than the effects of grace. How do you respond to the e-Orthodox who argue that semi-Pelagianism isn't a thing? Um, I think you have to obviously make a distinction between the the um, the word and then the um, the the concept itself. And I think when it comes to the the concept itself, there was a realization in. Augustine's later works, especially on perseverance, on predestination, and then in the Augustinians following him, such as Fulgentius and Prosper of Aquitaine, um, that there was a new, there was an offshoot of Pelagianism, which we refer to today as semi-Pelagianism. Although they would argue that it's within the sphere of orthodoxy, but I think that's garbage. because it was condemned in medieval councils. Oh, Heos who, yes. That's what I was thinking of. Thank you, the other Paul. So Milton Thomist, have you read books by Ian Kerr? I have not. So I got it and did the thing. Why doesn't it say patron on your thing? Okay, maybe maybe that doesn't work. It said it's supposed to work. Um, let me see. It says that zero have been collected right now. 
So, oh, one has been collected. You. It says that you're you're now connected. All oh, those other guys. I need to get on them about. I'm gonna send them like ten more emails about it. Okay, let me just click this. Maybe it doesn't work in the chat, in the live chat. Maybe it only works in. Um, maybe it only works in. Uh, in comments on the videos, which would be kind of dumb. So isn't Arminianism much closer to Roman Catholic theology than Reformed theology? No, that is a very, very, very common myth um, that is perpetuated by the likes of James White. Um, Roman Catholicism and Reformed theology are much closer than Arminianism. Do you intend on interacting with Socinianism? Um, I know actually a, an okay bit about Socinianism because of the nature of a lot of, of, a lot of my reading in... Um, 16th and 17th century uh, Protestantism. So I know a good bit about it, but um, I don't really see the necessity because Socinianism is kind of a, a dead thing. So if you tell a semi-plagium it was condemned, what do, you, do they say? Usually if you're running into modern day semi-plagians, they don't really care what councils say. So thank you for your responses. How Anglican is Methodism? It's um in its in its original form, it's very, very Anglicanism. Like um, there was a certain Anglican priest, uh, I can't remember his name at the moment. Actually, I think it was an Anglican archdeacon in the, the ACNA who said that if John Wesley was alive today, he would think that the ACN, he would think that the Anglican church was the Methodist church and that the Methodist church was the Anglican church. And speaking of the Anglican church, he's talking about GAFCON and the ACNA and the faithful Anglican churches. But um, yeah, John Wesley was basically, um, a, it was a reform movement within the Anglican church, which was very good. He did a lot of good stuff. And, uh, Methodism isn't necessarily Wesleyan. Uh, there are there were Calvinistic Methodists such as George Whitfield, but still uh, to many degrees problematic. I'll comment on your last video. Okay, I'm I'm uh, I will go and check that out to see if it gives you a nice little mark. Okay, let's look notifications. I don't see any notifications at the moment. Um, sorry about this in the middle of a stream. I'll find another question to ask. Is that the connect by Google thingy? No, it is not. Oh, Copo. Yeah. You're, you're a patron too. Um, yeah, I think it is the connect by Google thingy. Um, yeah. So respond to that. Okay. I'll look at my last video to see if that worked out for us. This is very important. That's also another reason to become a patron, guys, because you get cool little little things. Maybe. We'll see. Okay. Cookie Monster. <laughs> Cookie Monster. Yeah, it doesn't show. I'll have to do a little bit more research into how that works, and then I'll get that fixed for you guys so you guys can, uh, can show yourselves amazing. And also make sure that uh, it's at this specific Gmail account that you're uh, connecting to the other thing 
that I sent you by. Um, that looks like that's all the questions, unless you guys have a last minute one. Um, I'll check the, the Discord to see if there's any chat chat in there that I need to. Oh my gosh. People are having dreams about Dende. I'm sorry, Dende. People are having dreams about you. I don't even think Dende's in there. Okay. So that's all I have for you guys today. Remember all the things I told you before. Please become a member of the Discord. Can't emphasize the importance of that enough. Like if you're gonna if you're gonna join anything, then the Discord is most important because it it really does allow um, for better connection, better community, and um, it also guards against um, if the man tries to get rid of me. And then also Patreon, again, all those good ideas I was putting forth earlier, those will not be able to be possible without uh, my lovely patrons and then continuing to gain up some lovely patrons. My current patrons, you guys are amazing. Um, just amazing. Helps me pay for all the subscriptions that I have to, I have to use for all this. And then it's also helped me to save up to, uh, to buy some better equipment. Like I need to replace this mic. I do. Okay. There's three questions that I'll answer before I leave. So when is the next chill stream tomorrow, tomorrow evening, um, at about Eric and I will probably do it whenever we feel like it. I think we'll do it whenever we feel like it. I'll check real quick whether I have another interview stream planned. Um, I don't think I do tomorrow, so it should leave basically unlimited time because last time it kind of stunk because we had to finish a bit early. Let me check. Tomorrow is what, the 8th? Yes. I do. Oh, we have, uh, we have a stream with Father Max Nightingale at 8 p.m. tomorrow on Canon Law. So we... We could either do it at like nine and just stream late into the night. I don't have work the next day, so it doesn't really matter. Or we can do it before at like six o'clock and then have to limit it at two hours. If you guys want to give some feedback on that, then, then I'll decide which one. And then also ask Eric because I think Eric has class. And then uh, maybe we'll be joined by Militant Jamie. And then also the other Paul. Um, the other Paul said that he could, but haven't checked up with him recently to see if he can. So next one, can you become an ordinary priest? No, I cannot because I was an ordinand before I converted and not a priest before I converted. So, oh yeah, for those overseas, yes, this, is, um, this started at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So when I refer to six o'clock, I mean right now. And then California Condor, how do you have a Discord with no game? I didn't even know Discord was meant for gaming until like two weeks ago. So, and then can you do a video on justification? Yeah, I'd like to. I actually have an interview. If you look on um, Byzantine Scotus on um, on uh, Newman's view of justification, and I've also thought about getting a little bit into. Um, some of the manualists on justification maybe doing, I did a, a few articles on my blog on Thomas's view of justification. 
Maybe that would be helpful for you guys because he does have a very um, extensive question, Dave Veritate. Although I can't think of a very a nice, concise text from Thomas. I think I would have to go to the manualists and kind of discuss that. So Copo says six is midnight here. So it's like 1.30 in the morning. Man, you are you are dedicated, man. So yeah, um, if I can find a good text on justification, that would be good to explain. Or maybe I'll just do it textless and I'll just um, explain it how I want. But um, yeah, that's all I have to have to say. If you guys have any suggestions, um, please send them to me. And um, that's all I have for you tonight. And God bless. Glory.